WebmasterRadio.fm. Make an impact on your interactive marketing through performance, advertising, community outreach, and technology. Be captivated by the people who are leading the wave of change in the online marketplace. This is who AdTech is. Your weekly radio show. Get behind the scenes with industry giants. Be privy to the insider track. Witness the newest technologies. Make sure you're in the scene each week with AdTech Connect. You're connected now with your host. Okay. Good morning, everyone. And good afternoon to our friends on the East Coast. I'm your host, Dave Hutchinson, and thank you for joining us. And uh, special thanks to our producer, Mark Winter, for getting me all set up here today. And to my good friend and neighbor, Bill Slate, for letting me use his phone while my house is being renovated. (laughs) Today's guests on AdTech Connect Radio are Jim Nail, the newly appointed Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer for Symphony, a leader in mainstream and consumer-generated media research and analysis. Many of you may remember Jim from his Forrester Research days, where he specialized in online and integrated marketing analysis. Michael McKinney, founder and president of ComHaus, that's H-A-U-S, a one-to-one messaging agency based in Denver, Colorado, and Janine Sutherland, who after many years with Media Smith, has joined superstar agency Organic as a group director of media. We'll look forward to talking with Janine and Mike later in the program, but to start things off, we're going to introduce a guy who I've been a big fan of for many years. Uh, basically, you can't be in the uh, new media and marketing industry today without knowing Jim Nail's name. As I mentioned at the top of the program, uh, Jim spent eight years at Forrester Research, where the core of his research agenda really focused on strategies and best practices in integrated marketing, with a focus on how the Internet can augment the impact of TV, print, and other traditional marketing tools. He's penned countless articles in various on- and offline publications, and appeared at dozens of conferences throughout the country and around the world. And he is precisely the kind of guest we love to have on AdTech Connect Radio. Welcome, Jim. Well, thanks very much for that kind introduction. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks for coming. Um, I, I guess, you know, I'll just get it right off the table. Um, my first question has got to be, why would a smart guy like you leave a cushy gig at, uh, at Forrester to join some renegade software outfit? Uh, to make a lot more money. <laughs> but, uh, no, seriously. Um, you know, there's only so long you can kind of sit on the sidelines and comment about all these exciting, fascinating changes going on in the marketing space. Um, and particularly the whole world of uh, word-of-mouth marketing and, and you know, consumer control of the marketing messages is one that is, to me, such a momentous change. I just couldn't resist the temptation to dive into the middle of it and really help play a role in kind of shaping it and uh, you know, helping the marketing community deal with, with that kind of change in a, in a much more direct fashion than I could at Forrester. Interesting. I can understand that. Um, it's been really interesting. My background, uh, I guess, traditionally has been in television. I, I spent most of the 90s, however, in the new media industry, and, and, and now actually it just so happens I'm sort of back on the traditional side of television. But um, it's really kind of interesting sort of, you know, following the new media space and, you know, going to places like ad tech and, and uh, certainly going to be circling back into some of the new extensions of video and various definitions of television. It seems today from the 30,000 sort of foot view um, the world is sort of falling into two hemispheres. You've got uh, mainstream media and consumer-generated media. Is that kind of how things are shaping up? Well, I think that's our view, or that's that's kind of marketers' view of the world. Um, I don't think that's consumers' view of the world. Um, consumer, 
view of the world is it's just all uh, it's all media it's all various places where I get information about topics I'm interested in and you know we see that where um, uh, you know certainly journalists will will pick up on something being talked about on a blog but then the bloggers will will pick up on a, a story in mainstream media and then you know, explore it in, in further depth so I, I think that's an artificial uh, uh, barrier that that you know we as people in in companies kind of put on things because it makes it easier for us to to think about the world. But the way that consumers actually behave and the way they interact with these these various silos that we've set up is much more fluid and much more give and take. Yeah, I think um, uh, certainly in the mainstream news, uh, I think people refer to this as the echo chamber. Exactly. Something might emanate from a traditional media broadcast or a news report, and of course the feedback on that comes back sort of almost in real time, and that sort of bounces back inside traditional, you know, Fox News, CNN, and so forth, and, you know, everything from politics to entertainment, um, I guess what we call kind of that, that echo chamber. Yep. But it really is dynamic, and it's flowing, it's a moving target. And it's really interesting, I mean, Symphony, just to give you a chance to talk more about that, um, you know, for, for many years, um, we all, you know, certainly are aware of, you know, buzz, if it's PR or marketing or some kind mm-hmm. of, you know, moniker to kind of wrap a rope around all that stuff. But it was kind of tough to measure, you know. But, gee, mm-hmm. you know, fast forward to present day and, and companies like, you know, Symphony are actually, um, you know, getting pretty granular about measuring a lot of this stuff, which heretofore was not very measurable. Yeah. That that's absolutely right because you know if because well, every PR person had their clipbook you know and it's you know twelve inches thick every quarter with with uh, all the various you know mentions that that your company has gotten or that your press releases have generated and um, yes yeah, so you measure it by the inch or by the pound but that's not really a kind of business metric you can use. Um, so uh, you know, along comes you know the, all the various advances in technology that have impacted so many areas of of business and society, and all of a sudden you can make a lot more sense out of that clipbook um, than you possibly could when it when it was a bunch of pieces of paper. Um, so it's so that's been a, a a very exciting development, and I think you know the the PR industry is is embracing that, um, but you know it's a new it's a new thought process for them. So it's still you know we've even though we've got uh, about 80 clients or so here using that, it's still amazing the number of PR people that we talk to that are just beginning to to get into into that space. Um, and then along comes the consumer-generated media, which is orders of magnitude higher volume even than that. And of course, then technology is absolutely critical to have any hope of being on top of that and, and really understanding uh, in a broader sense what is actually the, the gist of those conversations and what's really being said about your, your company or your brand. And obviously now, um, you know, with everything kind of going digital, obviously a lot of that stuff is now you know, more trackable. Absolutely. You know, I mean, obviously with, you know, clipping services back in the olden days, you know, <laughs> try to chase this stuff down and then make sense out of it, then try to extract some, some trends or patterns would be virtually impossible because obviously the trend of digitization, a lot of this kind of roundup is obviously yeah. uh, a lot easier and allowing folks to then fast track to getting into some of the, um, you know, metrics and uh, sort of analysis and data mining, which I guess would be a segue into uh, um, orchestra and obviously mm-hmm. uh, some music fans there at the company. I know you're a music fan, <laughs> clearly a theme here with the uh, different uh, 
uh, you know, connotations here. Tell us about orchestra. My understanding, at a, a, a sort of a glance, is that it's essentially a, uh, a dashboard that helps uh, you and your clients kind of bring a lot of this stuff together and kind of tame it in a certain sense. Right. That, that, that's exactly right. It, but you know, behind the dashboard, it's also very important um, to look at the, the technology that um, is behind the user interface that a aggregates all of these different sources, whether it's traditional media sources or consumer-generated media sources, um, you know, sorts it all out, figures out, you know, for each client, um, you know, what, uh, which of this, these massive amounts of, of content that are hitting up against our, our engine, um, what's relevant to them and what's not. So we can pick out, up oh, here's one for this client, here's an article for a different client, um, put those into the the uh, appropriate uh, partitions in the database, and then uh, on top of that, start doing the uh, analysis and the metrics. How many clips are there? Uh, what's uh, you know what are kind of the key topics of conversation in those clips? Um, uh, uh, is it positive or negative about uh, about the company or the brand, uh, and and those kinds of levels of, of of analysis to again start to extract some real intelligence uh, out of what otherwise again is that that big pile of paper sitting in the corner. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and Jim, as you probably know, AdTech has a uh, sort of a, a one-day, ten-city tour going on right now mm-hmm. across the country called Impact. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim Stern, uh, they were actually recently in Los Angeles on Tuesday, and Jim Stern of Target Marketing was giving a kind of a keynote and sort of, you know, deliberately sort of drowning people in the fact that there is so much data out there, different ways to, you know, capture it, track it, you know, stick it into a database, slice and dice. Um, but it's really, you know, what's important um, is that you know what you do with the information right. and sort of you know how you sort of you know infer the data that matters and that you know web analytics is only actionable if business goals are clear uh, technology analytics uh, and business uh, is aligned mm-hmm. and that of course the feedback loop is complete um, uh, you would probably agree with that yep totally totally because um, probably the biggest mistake that uh, I've seen in a lot of in a lot of new technologies going back to my entire forester career, is is companies or, or individuals will get really excited about um, a, a technology and say, okay, we've got to have that, and they haven't really thought through, you know, what's that going to do for them. Um, I had a number of conversations with forester clients uh, in the last uh, past year or so. Where they're like, okay, tell us tell us how you know how we should put together a blog strategy. And I was like, well, what do you want to try to achieve? And what do you feel you're not achieving with your traditional advertising, marketing, public relations strategies? And they're like, hmm, that's a really good question. Yeah, we should think about that. It's like, yeah, you should. Um, it's those kinds of uh, goals and thoughts up, uh, up front that give you the structure um, to pick the technologies and then to fine-tune the technologies to deliver uh, the insights and the data and the stuff that's that's going to help you really fulfill those those goals. Sounds very familiar uh, and reminiscent of the uh, I guess the first wave of CRM efforts out there five you know five seven years ago. Yeah. Um, where there was a rush you know on the hardware software side and then you know kind of forehead slapping oops you know you know what are our goals you know what are, what do our customers want. And that quickly becomes, you know, a metrics conversation, which, as you would probably agree, actually ultimately becomes a process conversation. 
fair? To- totally, totally. You know? Because and I think that, that was the biggest mistake in that in that initial embrace of CRM is they thought it was a technology. And uh, the best definition of CRM I ever saw was uh, Stan Rapp, whom I don't know if any of your readers or, or oh, listeners sure. are young or old enough like me to know Stan Rapp from the early days of of the direct marketing world. But his definition of CRM was, you know, considering your customer as a core asset of the company. Yep. Had nothing to do with technology. Now you've got to build a technology around that. What does that mean? How do, you know, how do we quantify what that value is? How do we uh, increase that value? How do we uh, learn when that value is in danger of leaving? And all those questions that I think we've, we've made a lot more progress on now. Um, and I think we're in that, that same kind of uh, stage here, you know, that, that question I, I said before that uh, you know, I've, I've dealt with about, you know, gee, what, what should our blog strategy be? Well, you know, you've got to take a, that step back and understand that larger context of, you know, the fact that traditional ways of communicating with consumers are losing effectiveness. You know, consumers are taking control of the conversation. And um, you've know, got to start to understand what is the new role of of companies in that conversation because they're not being excluded. Consumers aren't entirely excluding brands and companies from conversations. Um, but you need to, to at least have a philosophy of how you want to participate in those conversations and then decide, you know, what are the tools and technologies and, and the strategies we're going to employ to, uh, you know, to play that role. Fair, yeah. Um, from, from a macro perspective, uh, bouncing back up again uh, from the 30,000 foot, um, you know, I sort of find that, you know, the good news is that, you know, brands, advertisers, companies, what have you, um, you know, recognize that the sort of customer-centric forces of the web are, are forcing companies to change at this sort of operational process level, basically from vertical silos to more cross-functional teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, doing that is a whole other matter. The bad mm-hmm. news is that that's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is the key challenge, in my mind, anyways. I think ultimately, if you sort of, you know, drill down these kind of conversations, that that sort of operational shift is, is really kind of paramount. Uh, I mean, there's a demand for accountability in marketing, but, you know, as you and I are discussing, when you go down that rabbit hole, you know, metrics uh, becomes process, and process gets mm-hmm. back to operational structure <laughs> yeah. and how you kind of do that. How does uh, Symphony and Orchestra kind of, you know, jump in and kind of help that pain? Is it, uh, I assume it's sort of in parallel to real hands-on kind of consulting as well with clients? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, one of the, the sort of almost simplest and easiest ways that we've, we've helped a number of our clients is uh, – for clients who are using econometric modeling or market mix modeling in evaluating their their marketing plans, um, you know, typically that's that's done strictly with advertising uh, and and some some other marketing tools. But public relations is extremely hard to to pull that data together. It's hard enough to pull your advertising data together. Um, but the kind of data that uh, an analysis that our system does on PR, it's very easy for us to export uh, a data set that can go right into the market mix model and then evaluate PR alongside um, those other tools. Um, so that's one of the kind of easy ways that, that we can help um, help clients. Um, the second way, which, you know, is, is what to me is the fascination with this entire uh, consumer-generated media space, um, is in the advertising world, there's a, there's a move afoot uh, spearheaded by the Advertising Research Foundation and supported 
um, by the Association of National Advertisers and the American Association of Advertising Agencies to get beyond simply impressions and reach and GRPs and and those kinds of metrics um, to what they call engagement. And they're still kind of in the process of defining what engagement means. Um, but it, in essence, uh, means is the message actually getting through, whereas all those other uh, metrics only say, did we put the message out broadly enough that maybe some people would stumble across it? Um, engagement starts to get at, did that message get through? Did what we, what we were trying to say about our, our brand uh, stick in people's minds and, and start to, to change those, those perceptions? Um, and to me, that is an extremely valuable metric. Now, people will argue with me um, and say, well, that's still not ROI. That still doesn't tell you how much, you know, how many cases of, you know, Tide moved because of a, of a particular ad. Um, but uh, I, I would say that, you know, there are just some things that you can't measure on that yardstick. And uh, uh, advertising... Uh, particularly brand-level advertising, uh, is not something that makes people jump out of their chairs and get in their car and go to Walmart to pick up that tide. If you're doing direct response advertising, yes, it's all about are people picking up the phone. But that brand advertising is about, you know, you've done your homework, you've decided there's some uh, uh, niche in the market that you can exploit, and uh, is the advertising doing that? Now, if it doesn't move product, maybe your initial assumptions were wrong. But that's not the advertising's fault. If the advertising is getting people to think in new ways about your product that you think leads to sales, it's done its job. There may be other failures <laughs> in the course of the process that don't lead to sales, but the advertising has worked if it's engaged consumers and made those kinds of changes. So that's where I think we're going to begin to see, and we're, we're doing some, uh, some testing and some development here around how can we extract from the blogs and the discussion boards and the Usenets and the consumer review sites out there um, the way consumers are talking about these brands, and how can we correlate that with uh, uh, an advertising campaign and the messages in that advertising campaign and see the effect uh, that that's having on those on those discussions makes sense makes sense i mean what's interesting um you know you, what you're really sort of talking about is the brand sort of taking a lot more responsibility and control of these things because as you would probably agree one of the uphill struggles is you're dealing with sort of an incumbent you know half century old billion dollar industry which is really used to playing off of common currencies like nielsen ratings mm -hmm. <laughs> and now when you're talking about sort of this fractionalizing of measurement and sure bringing it together in a holistic way to kind of draw some conclusions and insights but it's got to be a, there's got to be a challenge there in terms of having the, sort of the entire industry make that jump to a more kind of autonomous, granular kind of responsibility. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why you know I'm I'm very encouraged by the fact that those the, those three key organizations are working together on it because they represent the research community, the advertisers, and the agencies. And so with with that kind of muscle, you know, and and brains behind. Uh, thinking through this metric, it's a very difficult metric to, to define, um, but it's, it's certainly it's the right approach, and it certainly puts a lot of momentum um, uh, behind that 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I wish we had more time. This is fascinating. I could go on and on, and uh, you're a great resource. And, uh, you know, I know our audience appreciates getting folks like you on the line. And it sounds like you're having some fun over there, and you're right in the middle of all the action. We're we're having tons of fun. We're trying a lot of new stuff here, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. Hope you'll have me back. Great. Thanks again, Jim. Okay. Okay, and uh, we're going to break for a couple of uh, commercials, and we'll come back with uh, Michael McKinney, founder and president of Comhouse. Thanks. Sit tight and don't move. Ad Tech Connect. We'll be right back. Raising your ad inventory profits to the next level today is as simple as xy7.com, the only affiliate network giving you top payouts daily. Plus, you'll enjoy over 100 fresh high-converting offers, your own xy7.com debit card, good anywhere, and true 24-7 dedicated support. Our affiliate managers even sleep with their Blackberries. So why run your ads anywhere else? Let your site work harder for you today with xy7.com so you won't have to. Listen up. Ecom Expo, the virtual trade show for search, affiliates, and interactive marketers, is now completely free for all attendees. Imagine all the benefits of a top trade show coming to a PC near you. April 4th through the 6th, more than 7,000 of your peers will be there, making it the largest trade show for e-commerce marketers in the world. The entire event is 100% online, virtual, and free. So register today at www.ecomxpo.com Once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media, PR Web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct-to-consumer communication by implementing Web 2.0 technologies. PR Web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news. For example, PR Web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback. Whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise, PR Web is here to help. You thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Domain Masters. The big news yesterday was that Bill Cosby won the domain name FatAlbert.org. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, I think it's a relevant case because uh, he was able to justify the fact that he created the character and therefore he was entitled to it. Domain Masters, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on Webmaster Radio. Now, back to AdTech Connect, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hey, okay, we're back. Uh, welcome to AdTech Connect Radio. I'm your host, Dave Hutchinson. Um, and our next guest is Michael McKinney. He is the founder and president of Comhouse, Inc., a one-to-one messaging agency based in Denver, Colorado. A voluntary refugee from the e-messaging wars, Michael has provided emerging media solutions since 1993 for a variety of industry icons such as Dell Computer, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and the Direct Marketing Association. We welcome Mike here to the program. Hey, Mike. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. How are you, sir? I guess we're good afternoon at this point. 
It could be. We're, we're bi-coastal here in this business. So, uh, well, thanks for being on the program. Um, you know, uh, one-to-one messaging. I mean, forgive me, I'm sort of a, a video, TV, you know, digital entertainment-centric guy. Um, you know, I send you a message, you send me a message. How hard could it be? <laughs> what do you guys uh, uh, specialize in, and what makes a one-to-one special? I guess there's any of 15 different ways that can define how hard can it be. Capacity, <laughs> personalization, data management. You know, day in and day out, clients want to talk a lot about just getting the message out. Yeah. And they have to spend a lot of time doing that before they realize all the other elements that are part of communicating effectively using the new media. Exactly. Now, how did you guys start out? Um, uh, this is uh, your, your company, obviously, and uh, I'm sure you had modest beginnings, but it's mushroomed over the, over the years, no doubt. I was actually a co-founder of a broadcast fax service bureau in 1993 down in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And over the years, uh, the media evolved, the needs evolved, the, the model evolved. But honestly, at, at its essence, we're doing the same thing for the same clients we've been doing since the early 90s. And it really kind of touches on different aspects. Why don't you just give us kind of an overview of the sort of different client categories and some of the different kind of uh, cross-section of needs? We do a lot of work with, with industry publishers, mainly trade publishers, trade associations, a lot of work in healthcare and financial. And, and kind of surrounding the, quote, messaging model is a consulting product where we help clients look at who are the audiences you communicate with, what are the messages you communicate, within the realm of those messages, what are the appropriate media choices, and what can we do to help you to deliver them more efficiently and effectively? So it's, it's, what we do with clients is almost like applying manufacturing process reengineering to a marketing or a Marcom department. And, and how do you move messages, and how can you do so more vibrantly? And sort of what parts do you touch there? And, you know, what's the sort of your supply chain? I mean, um, you know, obviously you're interacting with your clients who are actually interacting with their customers and so forth, but are you getting to some of the back-end kind of, uh, you know, data management side and hosting and, uh, and sort of enterprise side of things as well? We do a little bit of hosting. We really work more with mid-sized organizations day in and day out than we do with large enterprise applications. But, but when we look at the overall model, we do have a data side of the business that we look very closely at. Number one, how and where do clients acquire data? Number two, and probably most importantly, what do they do with it once they have it to try to manage it and, and massage it over time? Um, adding to traditional data mining with a lot of behavioristics, a lot of psychographics, and a lot of just personal, what I consider primary research, going out to audience members and determining media preference, capability, permission, that sort of thing. So we do a lot of work, as you say, on the back end to kind of energize the ability to communicate for an organization, particularly since CAN-SPAM and all the do-not-fax regulations came out. It's a very different playing field. Yeah, we were uh, you know, kind of talking uh, earlier with uh, Jim Nail about um, you know, how the world seems to be kind of you know, just falling into uh, different categories of zeros and ones, essentially, um, you know, digitization and so forth. I mean, you guys kind of cover the, the gamut from automated voice, uh, video conferencing, email, uh, I guess what we're calling enhanced facts, uh, and different kinds of, I guess, media uh, along that strata. Um, are there uh, sort of um, standards and interoperability issues that you guys have had to address uh, and probably are still addressing from uh, time to time, or is a lot of that kind of hitting its rhythm now? You know, the real challenge is the one-to-one nature of what we do. Even within a given enterprise, you'll have very different challenges delivering a message to Bob, Jane, or David. And what we try to do is understand what's client's media preference, 
from the message development perspective, what are the things that the client values? How can we try to customize or or one to one the message in a way that is directly relevant to the end user? And you know, the biggest challenge that I face is number one, trying to get organizational senior management to realize the value of of communication and what it means to their overall business model. Mm-hmm. And number two, trying to get them out of the world of believing they got to buy servers and build it all on their own. Sure. We Comhouse is by design technology independent, vendor independent, and media independent. What that means is we can recommend the right solution for the client without being tied to a given group of vendors or a given technology platform. Right. Because one of the connotations, I guess, for folks like me is, you know, one-to-one messaging, you know, to me, you know, conjures up, you know, images of text messaging back and forth and so forth. But it's sounding like there's, there's, it's broader and thicker than that. Well, and once we get the, I mean, if you look at it, the media mix is what it has been for many, many years as it evolves. It's it's the place that people go to receive messages. Now there certainly are a lot of other media options that they can choose for that these days. I mean, it used to be direct mail, telemarketing, broadcast television. It drove an entire media market. Now there's any 25 different ways that I can get my message in the hands of the end user. And again, what we try to do for clients is get them to take the extra work get an understanding of what specific media does each individual prefer. You know, one guy might want to be on a listserv, another one might want to be to, to go to a blog, another might want to be on an online member forum. In essence, all they're doing, one might use email. In reality, in, in my view of that application, the media is irrelevant, and all we're really doing is pushing messages back and forth between individuals. And our real design on it with clients is, again, to try to kind of create a transcendent platform where whatever the media that your end-user audience chooses to communicate with you using, you're able to employ that and do so in a way that is effective, as opposed to what you see day in and day out, which is a couple of our board members said they wanted us to do a podcast, and the client limps through a very, very less than professionally produced podcasting application. Uh-huh. So, so trying, to, trying to not only give them the ability to, to jump in it pretty quickly, but also borrow a number of years of savvy from what we develop with our other clients. That's a big part of what we try to bring to the mix. So on the sort of consumer side or the customer side, these are these are screen pops, these are emails, these are surveys. What's kind of the consumer side of the experience for your products? All of the above. Yeah. They get text messages from us. They get voice messages. For, for, for our healthcare clients, we do a decent amount of interactive voice and automated voice, um, kind of tied to my origins in Facts Broadcast and Facts On Demand, which Facts On Demand is a paper-based implementation of an interactive voice system using fax technology. So, yeah, it's it's basically, you know, it's kind of the way I introduce myself when people ask me about my business. I'll tell my dentist, you know all those emails and faxes that you get from Delta Dental? I'm the guy that talked him into sending them to you. <laughs> No, excellent. No, very good. I get it. You know, it, 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 like everything else, it seems eventually sort of dovetail into this world of customer relationship management, which, of course, you know, as most of us would agree, starts with integrated marketing communications and kind of throwing a rope around all those up and downstream channels, hopefully to be smarter about your customers and to, in turn, send more and more intelligent and more and more targeted downstream messages. Um, obviously, you guys are interfacing and handshaking uh, with different uh, um, applications and uh, software suites, I assume, right? Correct. We we work across the spectrum with, with data platforms. Honestly, most of what we do internally we've built on open source, but the vast majority of the third-party vendors that we use are using much more robust, generally Unix-based platforms. 
hmm. for, for message delivery. And you know, it's interesting the way you frame that question because the very concept of, of broadcast and the one-to-many mentality is, in essence, monologue. Uh-huh. A lot of what we work with clients to do is try to look at all of the various media options, even media advertising, and what can you do in a way to treat that and try to create, make an interactive function where it becomes dialogue, where you truly are having an ongoing conversation and growing a relationship. I mean, you, you use, the, use that buzz, the buzz phrase CRM. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely what I want tr- clients to do, is don't view your marketing as a way to generate some orders. View your Marcom as a way to, to hold a conversation and grow a relationship with your customers. And it's a challenge. You know, it means a whole lot more work than sending send a piece to a printer and slapping postage on it. Absolutely. Um, it was interesting in the, in the press. I'm sure you've been following uh, probably more closely than than the rest of us. The um, you know the BlackBerry you know rim lawsuit and right. how that whole thing shook out. I mean, in my company, for example, we were in the middle of uh, you know analyzing sort of a, a hosted um, you know a Microsoft Exchange platform, and of course you know our executives have handheld devices and uh, you know phones, and and we were kind of in this situation where we were following that because we like. There's a company called Goodlink you probably know, and they are part of that whole kind of rim. BlackBerry right. mix, and then of course we over here is the sort of .NET and sort of the Microsoft uh, architecture. I'd just be curious on your kind of snapshot take on um, that whole sort of you know um, uh, you know behind the scenes sort of dare I say tech side of the conversation. I mean, ideally this is all just kind of going to work itself out and become universally interoperable. But today, I just you know curious on your kind of uh, thoughts on uh, some of those uh, moving parts. Well, and, and two things. Number one, I'm the wrong guy to ask the tech questions. <laughs> I, I know enough I technology to be dangerous and for my IT staff to not let me in the server room. <laughs> um, but I really try to take media out of the mix. You know, in essence, if you look at a BlackBerry, it's delivering an email. It's delivering a series of characters, a text message. That could come through on your BlackBerry. It could come through on your cell phone. It could come through on your um, on your workstation. You can view it either through a a, wet, a webmail interface that is text only or through HTML. So what I want to know from the back end is simply, can you or can you not receive graphics? In that BlackBerry implementation, I probably would have had those users flagged as what I consider text only users in the first place. Mm-hmm. So in reality, it wouldn't change a lot of what we would do because I would assume they would get that message still remotely either through a cell phone or some other device and would not be viewing it on their workstation and that HTML wouldn't be a good idea. Mm-hmm. So to me, all it really says is make sure I've got them on the text only distribution list. Yep. And um, what are some examples you can share with us? Um, you know, some you know, obviously without disclosing anything, you know, proprietary or confidential, but maybe some of your clients or some of, you know, representative clients in certain categories of some really exciting advances and some sort of encouraging developments. Um, you know, where's sort of the uh, the light at the end of the tunnel on uh, on some of these things? Well, you know, probably probably the biggest leap that I'm seeing these days is the desire to create some sort of centralization of data management. With with CAN-SPAM, with the do not fax laws, the penalties for not honoring opt-out and do not fax and do not call requests have become so stiff that helping clients develop a data structure to somehow track, I mean, typically you look at one of our clients, we've got a medical manufacturing client out of the Northeast they got a sales force of about 75 remote VPs that all operate from home offices or remote offices. They've all got their own systems. For the most part, their prospect and customer data is stored on their own unique Excel files. Yep. Well, you can easily see how in that decentralized universe, 
David opts out from message A, and tomorrow, somehow or another, he's on list B and ends up being sent back out to that same individual. You know, it's important that we honor the law, and, and I'm not going to try to minimize the role of the law, but to me, the real sin there is just effective marketing communication. You know, people that don't want to receive my message, people that because I send my message are developing a hostile view of my brand, it's just lazy communication. And indeed, what I alluded to earlier, one-to-one messaging requires a level of one-to-one data management yep. that most organizations have never really thought through. You know, if, if you're a field sales force person, then, then you know that you got to call David, and you got to make sure that you're spelling Hutchison correctly because David will take offense if you don't do that. Mm-hmm. But most organizations manage data very much on a macro and a decentralized basis, and it creates what I refer to as an extremely porous process. So really, my answer to that question is a number of developments, and, and I mean, they're, they're not cheap, but stuff like Salesforce.com and online CRM tools that allow that sort of centralized data management while still putting a lot of the power in the hands of the end user, but at least as a what you might consider a communication clearinghouse or service company for my organization, it lets us know that we have some, some bottlenecks and so, some checkpoints to ensure and double-check that individuals that say stay off the list and don't send me your messages aren't getting the message. And again, just developments in data management and the ability to do it through the web and transcend the traditional CRM or contact management platforms. Because, you know, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I do a lot of work with two of with two of the biggest CRM platforms, and both their online platforms are just a nightmare. Interesting. And what are your sort of quick thoughts about sort of um, advances in the call center in general? I mean, it seems to me that there have been some great strides. And uh, Obviously, in sort of the connected enterprise, you know, environment, call centers are, you know, significant for, you know, large companies, obviously. Um, from your perspective, that's just another touch point, right? Correct. And when you say call center, I, I always want to have the discussion of inbound versus outbound because it's two totally separate discussions. Inbound typically is either an order processing or a customer service function. Outbound typically is a lead generation or a survey function. So what you're trying to accomplish with, with those end users be they customers or members or, or subscribers when you get them in the call center environment. The nice thing that I really like about a call center, you know, it's when I, when I got in Facts on Demand years ago, people started asking me questions about um, when should I fax, how should I fax. And ultimately, I have always really fallen back on trying to be proactive with, with those touch points. And the beauty of a call center over an e-commerce site, over a fax-on-demand system, over an e-commerce-enabled IVR system, is you have a human being on the phone. You know, we, we've got a group here in Denver that really focuses on taking direct marketing response and pushing it to IVR, to automated voice messages. Mm-hmm. And to me, the most difficult thing in the world to achieve in direct marketing is response. Again, I think it's a marketing sin take a response and send it somewhere that you can't have a human being that can answer their questions and take their order. Yep. And I know, I know, AdTech is probably the wrong place to say an e-commerce site may not be the be-all, end-all of marketing. But there comes a time I just want a persuasive individual on the other end of the phone with them, and I'm in love with call center functionality without spending a lot of money for small and mid-sized organizations to have 24-7 representation and the ability to not only answer questions about the product, but to convert the order to a sale. Yeah, which, by the way, I think, you know, um, AdTech is all about that. <laughs> We're <laughs> delighted to hear these opinions, and I think would agree that there is this kind of, uh, you know, it is about business, it is about the customer, and, you know, the kind of moving parts in the background. Uh, 
you know, uh, are really kind of left to experts like yourself. And, well, and, uh, and, and my and, view yeah. is I treat media like foreign language. You know, it doesn't do you any good to blog to an audience that is not online savvy. Yep. It doesn't do you any good to try to make a cut to 100% email when you're going to the veterinary community. You know, we do a lot of work in healthcare. We did a project last year where we called up over 5,000 physicians for one of the big health insurance companies and asked them their media preference, got their permission, and verified all their data. Less than 100 of them said that they wanted email from a health insurance company. Mm-hmm. Again, when, when, you, when you work with some of the, some of the less cyber-savvy audiences and you, and you put the work into the primary research and really get a sense of what the audience likes and believes, you know, it's kind of funny from my perspective because all that really changes for us these days is the distribution of the media. You know, the media mix for virtually every client is the same. It's just what percentage are we are we trying to target with with blogs and wikis and and listservs, and what percentage are we targeting with direct mail? It's interesting. We're, we're sort of winding down on time here, but I wanted to ask you sort of one last question on that. I mean, I got to believe you guys are sort of also drawing uh, a lot of uh, this data and drawing your own conclusions, and obviously giving you guys just you know more and more granularity on the insights behind this, right. this side of the business. I mean, is that a, a formal part of uh, Comhouse's services, or is that just sort of uh, part of the value add of uh, folks doing business with you? We sit on a lot of the data. We are not functionally a data or information provider, but we do provide a lot of analytics for our clients who want to look closely at that. In fact, we got two or three clients right now that really are moving into much more of a distance learning, online marketing, much more of what you might consider a consumer strategy. And we're pretty excited about a lot of the analytics we're able to provide for those guys. Because, again, I mean, whatever the negatives may be of, of a fax or an email or a voice message, the fact that I can know exactly how many messages submitted, delivered, were viewed, were responded to, ultimately turned into an order. I mean, you know, it's, you have to be careful of analysis paralysis, but if you really get into taking a look at where your business is coming from, where your orders are coming from, I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but the power of e-messaging for those purposes is, is just off the charts. Yep. And again, trying to get clients to understand that, because again, the, the, most of them exist in a world of drop 25,000 mailers and see how many dollars we generate from it. And, and that's their view of managing a marketing campaign. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I want to add just one of my own little sidebars on that. I spend as much time talking clients out of outlandish technology ideas that I know that their audience is not ready for and not going to be able to accept or view. Embedding music in an HTML, trying to launch Flash in an HTML broadcast, especially with some of these more more archaic audiences. You know, it's really trying to get that mental link to the end user and determine what can the end user accept and view. That falls probably number two or three in that list of my biggest challenges because most organizations, again, they, they make communication decisions based on their own operational concerns and, sad but true, very often just, just whim of the right senior executive as opposed to really, really tying it to the preference and the purchase patterns of the end user. Yep. Absolutely. Well, excellent, Michael. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, very informative. Um, no, no, uh, and before we end the interview, I do want to add that our participation here in AdTech is tied to my role with the Business Marketing Association of Colorado, and, and we're very excited to be part of the event here in Denver next week, and really thank you guys for, for including us in that.
There you go. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. So excellent. Thank you for that. <laughs> Another handshake there. Uh, Attic is out there uh, in the different uh, cities across the country, and uh, some of the folks actually uh, on the Attic staff I know are out of Denver as well. So uh, delighted uh, we're enjoying that handshake with you, and, and, and thanks again for being on Attic Connect Radio today. Um, coming up next, uh, after these commercial messages, Janine Sutherland, uh, who is a uh, sort of newly appointed group media director at Organic. Coming up next. Sit tight and don't move. Ad Tech Connect will be right back. Click Tracks, all new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zephoria.com, writes, ClickTracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what ClickTracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. Contrary to what your mother told you, you cannot be all things to all people. You can, however, focus on your primary business and ensure your success by outsourcing technical projects to a company who is forward-thinking, solutions-oriented, and works as a complete extension of your organization. No need to do it over and over again. SRK Consulting can develop integrated automation programs, programming in most major languages and operating systems. SRKConsulting.com, making sure your mother is all proud. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R dot com. More than a name. Webmaster Radio dot F-M. All 80s. Before there was the internet, before there were cell phones, before there was email, before there were DVDs. Do you remember who shot JR? Then travel back, back in time every weekend with the best songs of the 80s. All weekend long, only on Webmaster Radio. Now, back to AdTech Connect, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Okay, uh, we're back. I'm Dave Hutchinson. This is AdTech Connect Radio. Uh, thank you all for being here. Um, our third and final guest, uh, saving the best for last, or maybe not the best for last. They've all been pretty good speakers, and uh, it's been a, a lot of fun for me doing this uh, show today, is uh, Janine Sutherland, who is Group Media Director for Organic, Inc., Janine's extensive 12-year media career covers all aspects of consumer, business-to-business, traditional and interactive, and domestic and international campaign work. Prior to joining Organic, Janine served as the Media Director of MediaSmith, a media strategy planning and buying agency. Before MediaSmith, Janine spent four years at Lot 21, where she oversaw the interactive work for clients such as Bank of America, Hotwire, Palm, and Walmart.com, that cute little company out there. Uh, welcome, Janine. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks. Great. Um, 
got to ask you, you've only been uh, with Organic, I guess, for uh, a few months now, but uh, what's it like uh, working for one of the first and foremost new media agencies in the country? Oh, it's great. It's actually a... Um it's interesting because having been at Lot 21 back in the in the heyday, and it was about the same time that Organic had started, um, there's still that spirit of that um, you know, entrepreneurial approach and, and let's tie everything together. But the nice thing is is that um, we've all grown up, the industry's grown up, the clients get it now and um, and under, understand how to use the interactive space. So it's um, it's still that that fun spirit, but um, we're actually working towards real business goals now. Good, excellent. I'm always curious, you know, um, about agencies these days. I mean, we, we almost sort of want to bite our lip and not even say ad agency anymore. There really is so much uh, kind of changing in the world right now. But, you know, uh, be that as it may, agencies tend to sort of have a history of being, especially, you know, maybe if you're part of Omnicom, for example, uh-huh. <laughs> maybe part of a, a large and sprawling, potentially bureaucratic group. But uh, you guys are, are quite the contrary. Yeah, we actually have um, an approach that brings everybody together. Even if um, we're working on a media plan, we actually bring in the creative group, we bring in our strategy group, and um, and make sure that we've got multiple touch points and multiple different perspectives looking at our campaigns so that it comes together as a, as a holistic thing and not just your standard media plan that goes through the process of, you know, here's the steps that you should take. And... Um, and a lot of times, you know, the end product is, is maybe similar, but it, it comes in with an extra twist where we've looked at it from a different perspective and added more to, um, you know, the overall experience. So, so just uh, to, to push uh, more on that for a minute, without the benefit of a whiteboard, can you just kind of uh, <laughs> verbally describe as best you can sort of how you fit into the structure uh, of, the, uh, of the company and your respective sort of uh, team members and counterparts? Yeah, so we have, um, we, we are divided up in a, in a couple different ways. We have discipline leads for each of our different areas and expertise. So we, organic covers the whole um, gamut of digital marketing. So we can have um, a client or a client that would hire us for web design, and we do the engineering and the design and the communication behind that. We also have clients that hire us for the creative side of it, and we also have clients that hire us for the media side of it. Mostly what we have and what our ideal clients are is the client that hires us for the whole experience and all of the touch points. And our approach is that we have a discipline that specializes in each of those, but we also have kind of generalists across the board and um, and tie everybody together. And like I said, if we're if we have a client that hires us for media only, we still go back and talk to our head of strategy. We'll talk to the, the different creative groups and and get their perspective on how those elements might tie together to make a better media plan. So my role is to oversee our media and analytics group. And um, and we work very closely, like I said, with our creative group and with our strategy group. Wow. So when we talk about analytics, we had Jim Nail on earlier in the program, of course, and Jim knows a thing or two about analytics. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, if you had a chance to check out the, the new company, he joined Symphony. Um, you know, they really have this sort of, uh, among other things, of course, is dashboard. And you sort of look at the website or some of their materials, and boy, oh, boy, you know, one could potentially, you know, drown in uh, data and analytics. And I guess part of your challenge is to kind of extract the important parts and kind of put them into uh, this kind of holistic, strategic uh, perspective. Yep. It is actually a challenge. Um, 
you know, the web went down a path for quite a while and still is there a little bit of the the DR engine behind, um, you know, a lot of marketing things. But because so many people are online and so often, you can also use it as a mass reach and awareness program as well. And, and that's really tough because how do you measure that? Um, and I would say we're kind of unique in the space that about a third of what we do is centered around DR, but the other two-thirds are actually brand um, awareness, adding reach to our traditional efforts, or even using the web just as the main reach vehicle. And a lot of what we do is entertainment marketing. And how do you measure somebody going and tuning into a television show or going to see a movie? It's, it's tough to tie it back to. So there's different touch points that you might look at. Ultimately, there are you know, tools coming down the way and things that we can do that hopefully we'll be able to, um, to measure that better. But at the moment, we're looking at the web as a, um, you know, in addition to um, reach that, that you know, your traditional broadcast or print plans or even out of home could have done. It's actually interesting. While I was waiting to get on the phone here, I was surfing around. They're not one of my clients, but I was checking my Yahoo mail. And as you close out, you get that great, big, wonderful ad unit. And HBO's running an ad right now for The Sopranos. And all it is is just a, a photograph of the, all the cast of characters, and it says March 12th, 9 p.m. HBO. And all those people that are out there checking their Yahoo mail today are being reminded to go that, that The Sopranos premiere is coming down this weekend. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's amazing. You know, it, I'm often fond of, uh, you know, saying that we live in this attention economy, and um, you know, there is so much competing for our attention that the price of attention is going up. And uh, no doubt, um, you know, these sort of above the fold kind of top line ads are are probably rising in price. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and, and, you know, certainly for a, a branding and awareness campaign, you know, boy, it's, it, it is a very powerful medium. It's interesting because search, you know, kind of started out as being clearly and still is a very transaction oriented. Uh, media and marketing opportunity, but I remember a couple of years ago, some folks um, <clears throat> who I know in the space were kind of, you know, delighted to sort of recognize that, hey, gee, you know, there's a real branding value in search as well, and uh, that seems to be a relatively recent kind of um, realization. But but clearly, from what you're saying, is uh, you know, alive and well. Yep. Oh yeah. Actually, um, you mentioned in my bio pre- previous to organic, I was over at MediaSmith and. Last year, we put together a campaign. Um, one of our clients was a antivirus software company, actually still is, and um, and they went into a partnership with Microsoft. And we found that you you know buying specific Microsoft keywords or MSN keywords were very expensive. But we found millions and millions and millions of other impressions available through things like um, Hotmail password and you know just words like that. And what we were trying to do is get in front of an audience that were loyal and liked Microsoft products, and if they, knowing that um, that they they pay attention to the company, if they type in that keyword, they're more likely to type it in because they're a user of their products, and they see our announcement of our client and the Microsoft partnership, those people are really going to care. And we found just hundreds of millions of different, you know, impressions available and they were pretty cheap because no one else was buying it, so we didn't have to compete on click rate to get up at the higher ranking on Google. So that was a, a very successful um, awareness campaign. As I mentioned, for us, we do a lot of stuff for um, entertainment clients, and a movie release comes down the line, and doesn't necessarily matter if they click on it. We just want them to know when it's releasing and, um, and give them the option to go link into you know, what theater they can go and check it out. But there is no purchase that we're looking at. We're just getting the word out. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. And again, referencing this sort of attention economy, I mean, you know, in this environment, you know, uh, entertainment, and entertainment has always been sort of a popular sort of vehicle through which to reach people, um, especially in a noisy and competitive environment. Um, and, and now, you know, more than ever, entertainment is, uh, you know, um, coming back around again and discussions of branded entertainment and so forth. But uh, that's kind of a separate subject. But, you know, clearly, um, Organic has some clients in the entertainment space. And, you know, I, I'd be curious kind of to get your perspective on kind of the, you know, the state of the union of, you know, from an agency perspective, how you're working with some folks in the uh, entertainment space and how all those kind of different uh, channels and moving parts are coming together. Well, one of the things that's a, um, a big trend, and, and I guess me being over here at Organic, um, it's a breath of fresh air from doing so many DR campaigns in the past, is um, the publishers uh, have been wonderful working with us to put together integrated packages and actually dig into their audience, get things that are going to get them to engage with whatever um, whatever release we have coming down the line, and putting together these custom packages that 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 give this immersive brand experience around um, around whatever we're trying to communicate. And um, the publishers know their audience. You know, as media people, we figure out where we want to go and where we think is going to be the right place. And working with the publishers and really digging into that audience and how do we get them to engage, how do we get them to spend some extra time with our brand um, has been a really great, great thing. They've, um, everyone's come around. It's, it's amazing how many great, unique campaigns come out of um, um, almost on a weekly basis here. Hmm. And they're all sort of flowing across your desk? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, talking earlier about dashboards and stuff. I'm curious uh, on the sort of agency side of the, uh, uh, I don't want to say fence, but uh, in your world, uh, kind of, uh, you know, what tools uh, you're using, if any, to kind of, you know, kind of monitor all these moving parts, you know, uh, on a desktop or dashboard basis? Well, actually, we have our own in-house dashboard. Um, it's it's one of those things that does have to be retrofitted and updated um, every once in a while because there's always new metrics that hopefully we can better measure that um, that experience that we want. We use our standard third-party ad serving, um, and view-through is, is a metric that comes up quite a bit, although our ultimate goal isn't always to get somebody to a site. It's really, did our impression get delivered? Did it get in front of the right audience? Did it... Um, did it look great? You know, did we did we really get them to engage? So, there's also um, one of the the bigger metrics that we do concentrate in terms of technology is um, the interaction rate through rich media, or did we actually get them to go and watch a, a video trailer? Those sorts of things. And then there's the bigger things that actually really truly what we what we care about, but you can't measure them on a regular basis, and they're kind of tough to put in a dashboard. Is did somebody go see our movie? Did somebody um, tell somebody else about, hey, I saw this and it's really cool, and let's go, let's go watch the season premiere of the show. So some of those things are, are are still kind of tough things. There's certain indicators that we can we can look to, and then of course we also look at the overall performance of um, you know, traditional and interactive. And ultimately, did we get a certain rating point? Did we, you know, get a certain box office level? So the awareness stuff is still a little bit of a, um, a, a moving target. Like I said, there's certain indicators, but there isn't really one magic thing that, that helps us track it at the moment. 
I guess ultimately, you know, there seems to be sort of a trend for, you know, the the client, the brand, uh, to take more control uh, of these kinds of moving parts, as you say. You know, uh, A, because there's just more demand for them to do so, and B, because of advances in, uh, you know, software technology, uh, they can uh, take more control of this stuff. However, at the same time, there's always this sort of you know ongoing classic, you know, make or buy decision that companies always have to make. And so there's always going to be the need, especially with a larger company and larger brand, to you know have partners, have vendors, have agencies. Do you find? Um, uh, and I know you've only been with Organic for about you know four or five months, but. Um, just from a macro perspective, do you sort of find that, you know, with the digitization of communications and uh, just this kind of, uh, you know, sort of faster moving times that we live in, that there is more of an increasingly, I guess, healthier um, kind of uh, communication and back and forth between uh, agencies and the clients? Oh, absolutely. Um, we are... I can't even tell you how much um, phone conversation and face-to-face time that goes on on a daily basis with our clients. And um, we, we, our approach and, and our clients um, treat us this way is that we're an extension of their marketing team. And um, we're there to help them, and, and we, should, we should act as if their business is just as important if we were working in their company. So there's um, a lot of back and forth. There's certain parameters, um, you know, as an agency and as a as a specialist in media, it is our job to try and do the best that we can and go and find the best solutions. But we also have to realize sometimes the client does have limitations. There's certain recommendations that we can make that maybe take a long-term um, process to change and other things that, hey, they're, they're, they're glad to have that feedback and didn't realize that they could do it. So, um, so we treat ourselves as that we're part of their their business and and working there, but we also have to um, understand where their business limitations are and how do we work around it and 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 still do a great job. Excellent. From from your perspective, and again, only to the degree that you're comfortable in sharing this, but what are some of the clients, or even you know, generically, um, you know, clients in certain categories, um, you know, uh, doing aggressively the, the, in your mind, you know, uh, from your perspective, you know, companies, clients potentially out there doing some really exciting things, or really kind of getting it right when it comes to you know using all the channels at their disposal, and uh, you know, just doing exciting things in general. Mm-hmm. Well, um, some of the integrated packages that I mentioned earlier is. Um, it is that's really exciting because we're we're getting in and resonating with with our our core audience and and what we want to do um our perspective is that whatever you know for each release that we do or each um you know whatever we're we're promoting at the time the media professional our job is to figure out who we want to get in front of and what are they doing and how are we going to do it so how we do that may vary if it's if it's um, if we want to get out the word the word out to a mass audience we're going to look at what's most efficient and what is being done in a big way if it's a very specific audience um, we want to rally around them and and own you know that entire category so the things that we're doing are what the consumers are doing in some you know everyone's talking about blogs and we're all talking about podcasting and we're all talking about all these different things if our con- if the potential target that we want to get in front of is doing that we're going to do it um, there's a lot of emerging media things that come out of here but there's also a lot of your your standard media as well if i you know like i mentioned earlier hbo's got this takeover on um, yahoo mail today there's millions of people out there that are doing it and you want to get 
you know, a mass market know, then we'll take that approach. So, um, so the exciting thing from a media perspective is all the great things that we can do to get in front of um, the right consumer that we're that we're trying to target, and aligning with whatever behaviors they are. Um, and in that can be these, you know, whatever the, the latest new emerging media is, or it can be a, a complete mass market approach. Excellent. Um, and, of course, I have to sort of ask you, going back the other way, are there any, um, you know, challenges out there still, things that may, you know, frustrate you to some degree, if it's an industry perspective, if it's just, you know, agreement on metrics? What are some of the challenges that still remain for uh, for folks like yourself? Well, those silly IAB terms and conditions and all the adjustments to it won't go away. <laughs> That's one that... Um, at some point, I'd love for everybody to just be able to get along and agree on that. But that like taxonomy, you mean? Like, um, it's I don't know the the four A's and IAB standard terms and conditions that's out there. There's always something that needs to be changed, and we all say that we're going to agree to disagree. But um, I, I swear on a daily basis, we've got someone trying to change something or going back and forth on some terms. So that's. It's housekeeping, but it's one that, that never seems to go away. And, enlighten me a little bit. I, I can guess what that means, but maybe you can tell me. Um, the 4A's terms and conditions for, um, it's actually for online media buying, is a um, standard terms and conditions that um, publishers and agencies got together to basically lay out the ground rules for how we work together. And things in there are, you know, delivery of, um, of assets, who gives who an insertion order, how do we track it, how do we um, bill each other, all those basic business processes. And um, and there are some things in there that neither one of us completely agree on, but at least it's given us parameters on how we work and how do we... Um, how do we, you know, make the business part move forward? We come up with all these great ideas and all these great ways to do things, but in reality, there still needs to be a insertion order or PO issued, and we need to bill each other. And what are the terms that we work on that? So um, all of us have different companies that have slightly different processes and procedures, and there are certain areas in there that that open up liability, and um, and it's. We're on the version two. Um, there's discussions of adjustments on, on it in the future. We actually don't have a standard one for search at the moment, so those um, terms and conditions and contracts are are done on an agency by agency basis with Google and Overture and and a lot of the little guys as well. And that's when you end up getting a whole lot of lawyers involved and and operations and and things like that. And from a uh-huh. professional, I just want to get the buy moving forward. <laughs> We're uh, sort of running out of time, Jenny, but thank okay. you so much for uh, jumping on the uh, the, uh, the show with us today. Now, you're up in the Bay Area? Yes, we're up in now, San Francisco. Are you going to be at Attic San Francisco in April? Yep, I will be there. I actually am on one of the, the, the tips group that will give out um, the, the one-minute good tips. Excellent. Well, we're lucky for us for having you uh, up there in the Bay Area. I'll be up there as well, uh, moderating a panel on personas. And, of course, the uh, AdTech Impact Series continues uh, its journey across the country to various cities. Um, exciting, very, very good granular stuff. I was down there for the uh, Los Angeles show. Excellent, excellent stuff. Cool. Um, thanks again, Janine, for being here. Uh, thanks again to all of our other guests and, of course, to uh, Mark Winter uh, for making this all run smoothly. Um, and thanks to all of you for uh, being uh, in the audience. And, uh, again, just wanted to uh, let folks know that we uh, are going to be up in 
the Bay Area, San Francisco, April 26th through 28th, and, uh, of course, Chicago in July and November in New York, and, of course, uh, London, Singapore, and various parts of the world, uh, and it's a lot of fun, and it's been great fun to be here. Thanks again to all of you, and uh, this is Dave Hutchinson uh, wishing you all a great day. WebmasterRadio.fm